Well, good evening. God bless you. It's good to be here tonight and uh, coming to you from the auditorium of our church uh, due to the COVID situation. We uh, do not have a big crowd here tonight. We do have a few people here, though, and so, but we're glad you are with us tonight. First thing we need to do is open in prayer, and we do have some folks to pray for, and, and uh, I have been let, uh, I've had some call, uh, excuse me, I had a call today to ask prayer for somebody and, and a message the other day and somebody, I talked to somebody yesterday, so um, I'll, I won't go into names, but I wish you pray for a member of our church who has been very sick and uh, he is uh, he is doing a little bit better. Talked to him a while ago, but I wish you'd pray for him specifically tonight. Also for another uh, person who's part of our church family. They've got a relative who is very sick, and so we should pray for them. Um, also pray for others in our church that have uh, different uh, uh, illnesses going on, and some have pre-existing conditions. Some others have other things happening. So do be in prayer for them and ask the Lord to bless. Um, also pray for the COVID-19 situation. Pray that the Lord will heal people and touch those families that are going through loss at this time. Also pray that uh, the Lord will give our, our leaders in our country and our city and state guidance in this time. Do pray for that. And also tonight pray for, um, pray for the situation with the, with the uh, racial tensions and let's pray for healing and let's pray that God will do something there and work a miracle and work all these things out. Let's pray for that and pray for our country tonight. And as always, pray for revival in our church, our city, and our country. Pray for the nation of Israel. And uh, let's just pray that the Lord will bless. Now tonight, let's pray. And then after I pray, Brother Daniel Canary is going to sing for you tonight. And I think he's going to play the piano and sing. And so he'll do that. And then I will preach. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We pray the Holy Spirit of God would just do a work here. And Father, I pray you'd open the windows of heaven. And Father, I just pray you'd bless. And now, Father, I pray that you get glory. Now, Father, tonight we come to you. We're needy people tonight. We need revival tonight. We need you to move in our country. We need you to move in our church. We pray that you would just work in a mighty way. And now, Father, just bless. And Father, I just pray that you'd open the windows of heaven, pour out your spirit here now. And Father, just, just do a work. And Father, I just pray that you get glory now. Father, we pray you'd heal the sick tonight. We pray you to heal the hurting in our country. We pray that you would give our leaders wisdom. Father, we pray you bless the nation of Israel. And Father, just bless tonight. Bless this message. Use it for your honor and glory. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Brother Daniel's going to come, and he is going to sing for us tonight. Now, the camera's going to move a little bit, so please don't think anything crazy is going on.
Amen. Appreciate that. And uh, if you did not hear Brother Daniel sing, it's because he wasn't singing. So anyhow, uh, my mistake on that. I was informed just now that uh, Brother Daniel's throat is, his voice is going out. So uh, so um, I apologize for that. I did not realize that. I thought he was going to sing. And then he was playing the piano. I thought, where's he singing? And she says, oh, his voice is going out. I'm like, oh. So anyhow, I apologize for that tonight. But anyhow, that was good. It is well with my soul. Isaiah 57 in your Bible tonight. Isaiah chapter 57. If you're at home and you have your Bible, let me encourage you to open your Bible to the book of Isaiah, the 57th chapter. Uh, Old Testament passage, if you would please tonight. Isaiah 57. Get you to turn there. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you got your iPad, please open it up. And if you don't have an iPad, you got a smartphone, uh, open. Uh, you can uh, uh, tune in there or, or uh, open your Bible app and and then um, if, uh, but if you're driving down the road again, do not open your Bible, just listen up. And, uh, but we're glad you're with us tonight. Again, we are broadcasting through uh, Facebook and we're broadcasting through uh, um, uh, podcast. And, and then we also have CDs being made tonight to be delivered to people. And uh, we appreciate that. And those are involved in that. And uh, do be in prayer as we go forward in that. I understand that there's an area of Nashville that is without internet tonight, so some people may not be able to watch. And so um, be in prayer for them, if you would, please. And so uh, that's what I heard. And so or there was an issue with one of the um, services or something like that. And so, um, but hopefully everything's back on and it's, it's all good. But Isaiah 57 in your Bible tonight, I want you to look at one verse with me, one verse. Uh, I preached from here before, but I want to go back to it tonight. And uh, I, uh, I was thinking about our need of our day. And uh, one of the things that I keep saying is pray for revival. And I've said it around our church for years that we need to pray for revival. Tonight, I've entitled the message, My First Message on Revival. because, And, and I'll tell you why about that in just a minute. But Isaiah 57, look down at verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Notice that he's talking about God. He talks about how holy God is and that God is high and lifted up. But you know the best part about that is God is a God who will also come down and help those who are humble and contrite. I love that. So, but we see the greatness and the holiness of God here on display. Now, tonight, my first message on revival, let's pray and let's ask God to bless our time in a word. Father, thank you for your goodness. Bless our time. Give us what we need tonight. Father, I am a needy vessel tonight, and I beg you to forgive me where I have failed you. Father, I beg you to take this message tonight, use it for your honor and glory. Father, it's not long. There's not a lot of uh, things to it. I just want to bring this out tonight and ask people to do something. And Father, I just pray the Holy Spirit would do a work now in this place. We need revival. Our church needs revival. Our city needs revival. Our country needs revival. I beg you, Father, to do a work tonight, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, if I remember right, the first message I ever preached on revival was out of Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Isaiah 57 and verse 15, and, and if I remember, the year was 1983. I had just graduated from Tennessee Temple University, got my uh, bachelor's degree and graduated and was all ready to go into the ministry. And, and, uh, but I, if, I never, if I remember right again, it was 1983, and the first time I ever preached this 
was in a new church plant. A group of people got together and they decided to start a church. They just needed somebody to fill in. And I filled in for several Sundays and and I preached a very simple message one Sunday on the need of revival. I gave four simple points and 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 I and uh I preached a again very simple message and just uh gave what I thought the great need of revival was. Well, uh since that time, since 1983 to present, I have still preached on revival. But in our day and age right now, I am convinced more and more that we need revival. I am convinced of that more than I've ever been convinced of that before. As I look at the world around us, I look what's going on, I look at the state of churches. Folks, we need revival. i got to tell you tonight, and I've said this before, and I've said it over and over again, our country needs revival, our city needs revival, our community needs revival, our church needs revival, we as individual Christians need revival, and I even will add myself in there and say, I need revival. I need a touch from God. Now, one of the questions that comes up right here is this. What do I mean when I say we need revival? What do I mean? Or what is revival? What is revival? What, what is that kind of like? Well, I thought about this. So I'm going to give you some things here real quick. Number one, revival is a work of God. When we talk about revival, we're just not talking about a series of church services and things like that. We're talking about a move of God. We're not speaking of something that is made up by man. We're not talking about something that is set up, uh, engineered by man. We are talking about revival, a move of God. Yes, people have a part in revival, but revival is unmistakably something that God does, not that you and I do. It is something that God does. Number two, not only is revival a work of God, number two, revival is a powerful move of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost of God. Think about that. Revival is a powerful move of the Holy Spirit of God. Yes, we see the Holy Spirit move when people get saved. But in revival, the presence of the Spirit of God and the power of the Spirit of God are manifested in a much greater way, in a much stronger way, in a much more evident way. The Holy Spirit is at work in a great, great way. So it's not just a move of God. It's also a work of the Spirit of God. Third thing about revival. Revival is a time of Christian renewal. A time of Christian renewal. It's kind of like we just came out of winter and we came into spring. And you will notice what happens. In winter, all the leaves are off the trees. The grass turns brown. But you know what happens in spring? Everything renews itself, does it not? The trees get green. They get beautiful. The grass gets green. Everything is renewal. Well, that's what happens when revival comes to the Christian, the child of God. See, what happens when revival comes is a sense of renewal among God's people. You say, what do you, what do you mean? What happens? Well, I put some things down. Number one, the things of God are dearer to the believer. The things of God are dearer. You know, how many times do we grow cold to the things of God? Well, when revival comes, the things of God are much more precious and dearer. When revival comes, the Lord has given us rightful place. I know a lot of times in our lives, we tend to get everything else in front of God. But when revival comes, guess who's number one? God is. Again, when revival comes, believers turn away from sin. They see sin as more sinful. They see it as something more ugly. They see it as something worse. They get a sense of how bad and how grievous sin is, and they turn away from it. When revival comes, it's believers are stirred to a greater, greater obedience to the Lord. You know, I think it's Charles Finney that said something like, revival very simply is just a time of renewed obedience to the Lord. 
But what am I trying to point out? I'm trying to point out that when revival comes, revival is a time of Christian renewal. It's a work of God. It's a great move of the Holy Spirit. And number three, it's a time of Christian renewal. Then I'll put down a fourth thing. Revival sees the lost saved. It is, I, and I understand this, revival primarily is for the Christian. It's when Christians get revived. It's when Christians get stirred. It's when Christians get moved. But inevitably, what happens in revival is lost people get saved. People come to Jesus Christ. Their lives are changed. And over and over, if you read the revivals of yesteryear, the revivals of history, like the 1858 New York Prayer Revival, the Welsh Revival of 1859, the Welsh Revival of 1904-1905, the Atlanta Prayer Revival, the Cumberland Revivals up in Kentucky. You know what you find? You find, yes, Christians are stirred, but you also find that lost people get saved. Lost people come to Christ. People are brought to Jesus Christ, and they're not just saved, friends. They're what they used to call converted. You say, what do you mean by that? There is a true salvation. We have a lot of people running around today claiming they're, they're Christians, claiming to have been saved, and there's been no change in their life. Well, when revival takes place, there's true conversion, friends, true conversion. And then number five, I put down revival. When we talk about revival, we're talking about a move of God, a move of the Spirit of God, a time of renewal for the Christian, a time when lost people get saved or converted, but also revival brings remarkable change. Revival brings remarkable change. Revival will change a church. Revival will change a community. Revival will change a city. Revival will change a country. There is a remarkable change when revival comes. Would you like to change the city of Nashville, the city you live in tonight? Would you like to change this community? Would you like to change the state of Tennessee to make it better? Would you like to change America? Then get on your knees and pray for revival because revival will bring a change. I, uh, most of you know I did a lot of reading on the Welsh Revival, so I have a lot of illustrations on that or stories about the Welsh Revival. Well, um, I, I, uh, I, I found an excerpt from revival, uh, welshrevival.com, and on there it has a report on the Welsh Revival. I want to read it to you. Very simple, very short, very short, but it says, Yes, a storm had hit the churches, yet so, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, Yes, a storm had hit the churches, yet for so many it was a storm of love and power which completely transformed their lives. Did you get that? A storm of love and power which completely transformed their lives. People were changed in so many ways. The crime rate dropped, drunkards were reformed, pubs reported losses in trade. Bad language disappeared and never returned to the lips of many. It was reported that the pit ponies failed to understand their born-again colliers who seemed to speak a new, the new language of Zion without curse and blasphemy. Now, you, you say, I don't understand that part. Well, they, at that time, they had a lot of uh, mines, and the miners were foul-mouthed. And what they do is they use ponies and donkeys to get the coal and different things out of the mines. Well, what happened is they had to retrain the horses because they couldn't understand the miners because the miners quit cussing. That's why. Boy, what an amazing thing. Are you hanging on? This one some people won't like. Even football and rugby became uninteresting in the light of new joy and direction received by the converts. Huh? Wow. You know, today we shut down church for the Super Bowl. You know, when revival comes, they'll shut down the Super Bowl for church. Somebody says, oh, I don't like that. Well, get your heart right. Oh, you don't like that kind of preaching, huh? 
Folks, what am I telling you tonight? We need revival. And this is the kind of revival we need, revival that produces a remarkable change. Now the question comes, how can we have revival? How can we have revival? Well, let me just say here right up front, there is no magic formula. You're not going to find an A, B, C, do A, B, C, D, and poof, you have revival. You will not see that. But there are some things you and I can do, some things you and I can learn from the Bible and from history that will get us there. Now, folks, we may not see national revival in our time. We may not see it. But I believe with all my heart that right here in our church, right here where we're at, we can see revival right here. Right here, we can see revival. Now, let me share three things with you real quick. Three, three things and three places where revival must start. If we're going to see revival, there are three places where revival must start. Where are they? Number one, it must start in our head. It must start in our head. Three places revival must start, but it's got to start in our head. You say, what do you mean by that? Very simply, we need to recognize our need for revival. We need to recognize our need for revival. We must see our need. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus said these words. He said, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. Folks, you and I need to see our need of a revival. We need to look at ourselves and say, yes, I need revival. We need to look at our church and say, yes, we need revival. We need to look at our community and say, yes, we need revival. We need to see revival. Folks, we need revival. Look at our country tonight. Our country tonight is a mess. It is a mess morally. It is a mess politically. It is a mess religiously. It is a mess socially. It is a mess. And it's sliding further and further away from God and His ways. Lawlessness is abounding tonight. Lawlessness is abounding. We are forsaking the laws of our country. And more than that, we are forsaking the laws of God. And we wonder how long before God brings judgment. Huh? How long? Folks, we need revival in our country. We need revival in our churches tonight. Our churches. Our churches. Many of our churches are cold. Many of our churches are careless about the things of God. Many of our churches are trying to court the world and be like the world instead of trying to be different from the world and impact the world. The sad part about it is, you know, it's, it's what we have today is we have a Christianity light in our churches. Our churches are not are practicing a shallow Christianity. And the sad part about it, our churches are dying. The crowds are down. I was talking with some people about that today even. And I said, one of the things we need is we need to get back to personal soul winning and witnessing, sharing Christ with people, talking to people about Jesus Christ, winning people to Christ, getting them baptized, getting them in the Word, training them in the things of God. Folks, our churches have gone away from all these things. Somebody says, well, the churches are dying. Well, yes, they are. But you know what? We can fill them back up if we'll win people to Christ. That's what it's going to take, winning people to Christ. Number three, the third thing, we need revival not only in our country, not only in our churches, we need revival among God's people, Christians. You know, Christians are today, are, quote-unquote Christians, are more concerned about the world and pleasure. We are desensitized to sin. Sin doesn't bother us anymore. We are lukewarm. We're like the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3, 14 through 22. We have no real compassion on people. We don't care about people anymore. Instead of, we don't have compassion. And the sad part about it is we're complacent about things. You say, what do you mean? By complacent, I mean we're satisfied where we are. As long as we're okay, we're good. We don't care about anything else. We're, and we're even complacent spiritually. 
spiritually. As long as it doesn't affect us, I'm good. Well, folks, it's affecting us now. It's time to get out of that complacency. Folks, we need revival. Where has it got to start? It's got to start in our head. We must see our need for revival. We must see our need for revival. We must see our need for revival. Then number two, let me just tell you, not only does it got to start in our head, number two, it's got to start on our knees. It's got to start on our knees. You say, what do you mean? I'm referring to prayer. Referring to prayer. Prayer is one of the keys to revival. Yet it, yet it seems like we talk so much about prayer today. We talk so much about it, but yet we don't practice it. We need to spend time praying, folks. Prayer plays a key role in revival. The Welsh Revival, key role, prayer. The 1858 New York Revival, key role, prayer. 1904 Atlanta Revival, it was called the Atlanta Prayer Revival. Charles Finney had a prayer warrior that went in before he had revivals and would rent a room and spend time in prayer. And his name, they called him Father Nash, even though he wasn't a father. Father, he was. They called him Father Nash. And he would go in and pray before Finney would preach and have revivals, and the power of God would fall down. Jonathan Edwards was a key player in the First Great Awakening. The First Great Awakening took place in the 1730s and uh, 40s. 1730s and 40s. You say, bro, Scott, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. And most people have heard of his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Many of you here may have heard it. Some of you listening may have heard it. Well, that sermon, before he preached it, was preceded by days, days of prayer and fasting. And when he preached that sermon, they said people in the audience felt like they were hanging by a thread over hell, ready for the thread to break, and they were going there right then. Amazing. You say, what was the key? The key was prayer, folks. If we want to see God bring revival, it's going to take prayer. We're going to have to get on our knees and pray. Get on our knees and pray. So that's where it's got to start. Number one, it's got to start in our head. We got to see our need. Number two, it's got to start on our knees. We got to get down and pray for revival. And then number three, the third place has got to start. It's got to start in our heart. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Did you notice there what he said in Isaiah 57, 15? He said, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place. With him also is of a contrite and humble spirit. I almost talked about the spirit tonight, but I didn't. But he also said to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. To revive the heart of the contrite ones. You know, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Matthew chapter 15 verses 18 and 19 there. He says there, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's what's in our heart. Folks, if we want to see revival tonight, we're going to have to get our hearts in tune with God. You say, wait a minute, brother Scott, you said it's wicked. Yes, but how do we get our heart in tune with God? Number one, it's going to take conversion. Conversion. I'm talking about being saved. The only way you're going to change man is by them being saved. I know people tonight say we need more laws. Or people tonight say we need to do this. We need legislation. We need this. We need this. We need this. We need reform here. We need reform here. You need to throw money at this. No. You want to change the hearts of man? The only way you're going to do it is by winning them to Christ. 
He's still going to have that old nature, but he'll get a new nature that will struggle against that old nature. And you'll change a man completely. I, I heard a story about a preacher that decided to start a church in a town south of here. And this was several years ago. So he went to the sheriff of the town when he went to start the church. And he asked the sheriff, said, I want to know the four roughest guys in town. I want to know who they are. And the sheriff said, why do you want to know who they are? He said, well, I'm here to start a church. And I figure I want to show people what God can do. So I'm going to go talk to those four men and try to win on the Christ. I, I don't know what the response of the sheriff was, whether he said he was crazy or what. But this guy went out to start that church. He went to start it. I can tell you his name. We used to support him as a missionary years ago. But he went to start this church. He visited all four men. Two of the men ended up getting saved and their lives changed. Wow. Folks, the only way you're going to change is by conversion. Winning people to Christ. Winning them to Jesus. That's the only way you're going to change a person is that way. Then not only is it going to be through conversion, number two, it's going to be through confession. I'm talking to the Christian now. Folks, and I'm going to tell you, confession must include honesty. Honesty. And that's the meaning of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? That means we agree with God that what we did was wrong. How many of us today like to say, well, what I did wasn't that bad? No, it's time we get out of that and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. We get our knees, we confess our sin, and we say, Lord, change me. Change me. Honesty. And then repentance. Repentance. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 talks about how if we'll repent and, and change, God will bring mercy to us. But then number two, number three, not only through conversion and through confession, there must be contrition. Do you notice in the passage he talks about contrition in Isaiah 57? Contrition of a contrite heart. You know what the word contrite has the meaning of? The word contrite refers to that which is broken, crushed, beaten. You know, something that's smushed down, trodden down. That's the idea. The idea of contrition is one who is born down with a sense of their sin and unworthiness. Broken about our sin. Broken about our spiritual condition. And I wonder how many of us are actually broken about our condition. Broken about our church's condition. Broken about our city's condition. Broken about our country's condition. My friend, the Bible says when we get to that point, God will, is there to revive the heart of those that are broken. The contrite ones. Contrite ones. Now, folks, we need revival. We need revival. But it's going to have to start in our minds. It's going to have to start in our head. We're going to have to admit the need of revival. Number two, it's going to have to start on our knees. We're going to have to pray for revival. Number three, it's got to start in our heart. If you've never been saved, you need to be saved. Child of God, we need to confess our, way, it, our sinful ways. And then what about brokenness over what we see today in ourselves and in our church and our cities, country? Folks, tonight, can I ask you, do you see the need of revival? Do you see the need in what's going on in our churches and our cities today? Does it grieve you? Your sin, the state spiritually of our churches and society, does it grieve us? Does it break our heart? 
And then tonight, I'm going to ask you, will you pray for revival and be honest with God? Will you pray for revival? Pray for revival tonight. Folks, we need revival. We need a touch from God. I've often said I want to see God bring revival, but it will probably scare the heebie-jeebies out of me. And I don't know what will happen. But I'd love to try to experience it. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, oh, men and brethren, what would this heart feel if I could but believe that there were some among you who would go home and pray for a revival? Men whose faith is large enough and their love fiery enough to lead them from this moment to exercise unceasing intercessions that God would appear among us and do wondrous things here as in the times of former generations. And yes, when we talk about revival, we have to talk about former times. But folks, can God do it again? I believe so. There was a town where there had been no revival for many years. The church had about closed, was run down to almost nothing. Many people in town were unconverted. They were unsaved. Spiritual desolation reigned. But there lived in that town an old blacksmith who stammered so greatly in his speech that it was painful to hear him speak. He couldn't talk very well. At work in his shop, his mind great, became greatly burdened and exercised about the church, and his agony was so great, he locked the door one day and spent the afternoon in prayer. He prevailed with God. He then obtained a reluctant consent of his pastor to appoint a church meeting, to have a meeting, but with no hope on the preacher's part of any attendance. The preacher didn't think anything would happen. But when it came time for the meeting, guess what happened? The building was filled. All was silent for a time until one person broke out in tears and begged if, any could, if anyone could pray to pray for him. And you know what happened? Others followed. And it was found that persons from every quarter of the town were under deep conviction. And you know when it all started? It all started the hour the old man was praying in his shop. The result, a powerful revival followed. And what was the source? The prayers of a stammering blacksmith. Wow. Folks, is there some of us that can get hold of God like that? Folks, let's pray. And let's ask God to give us revival tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Father, help us to see the need of revival. Help me to be more burdened about it, concerned about it. Father, we need revival. We need a touch from you. Father, I beg you tonight to do a work here. Open the windows of heaven and pour out your spirit. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen.